Well, it's so exciting to talk about this concept because it's, you know, we've, as I said, we all have felt that feeling and we feel it all the time. And, and I, I don't want people, I don't want the listeners to think that you have to be an elite athlete or, you know, a business executive to feel that pressure. A lot of people, you're going to a party tonight and you start to feel that, you know, some, some anxiety, social anxiety, that pressure like, oh, how am I going to fit in with this group? So whatever kind of pressure you're feeling in your life, you have ways of dealing with it. So why don't you well, why don't you start us down this path of what is discomfort training? Yes, okay. We live in a world that has become so technologically advanced with the end result making our lives theoretically a lot more comfortable. And because of that, paradoxically, we have become less tolerant of being uncomfortable. So we have become far more sensitive to discomfort in our lives. And because of that, since we are more sensitive to discomfort, it is pushing this fear response, or what I call the survival instinct, and leading us to essentially overreact with fear, stress, anxiety, in situations that really don't merit it, just like you're saying, you know, a social situation or someone cutting us off on the freeway or someone being insensitive to us, this was never what this survival instinct was designed for. It was designed for those situations that demanded us to take action in genuine physical stress or threat. So what we need to do ultimately is retrain our ability to manage discomfort, to change it so that discomfort is much less of a threat. This is what the essence is of discomfort training. So why don't you walk me through an example. I mean, why don't I let me think about something? Where do I feel uncomfortable? Uh, I'm going to be going and and talking to a group. There's 300 people in the audience. I'm backstage. I start to feel my heart racing. I start to feel uh, a little perspiration happening in the palms of my hands. I start to feel my stomach tightening a little bit. These are some of the sensations I start to feel when I st when I think about I'm going to be walking on the stage and giving a presentation. So how uh, walk me through how would discomfort training look in a situation like this? Okay. May I give just a little background information first then? Okay. That might be helpful to the listener. We have essentially two different parts of our brain. We have three in, in reality, but we talk about two. One is this very logical part of the brain, the cerebral cortex. It's the part of us that allows us to reason, abstract reasoning, be insightful, and so on. Its goal is just to make sense of the world understand it. We have another part of the brain that is the limbic system or what I like to call the limbic brain. And in the limbic brain is where all our visceral emotive responses and centers are from fear, anger, pleasure, sleep, pain. And the goal of this limbic brain is essentially 
just keeping us out of danger. So it is looking in any situation that it might perceive as one that is unsafe. It's clearly a black and white distinction. We're either safe or we're not safe. So what happens is that when we get in these situations, like you're describing here, where we have to give a a public speech and maybe it's in front of someone that's really important to us or that we might be concerned about being judged harshly or we obviously want to succeed at it. What happens is that as this limbic brain experiences a situation, a certain level of discomfort develops in our body. So we have discomfort, not just from a place of physical discomfort, you know, where we're hungry or we're fatigued or we're going through a hard workout, we have an emotional discomfort as well. And that is very important. So as the level of discomfort rises within us, the higher it gets, it crosses a certain threshold and this limbic brain then says, oh my gosh, I am in danger. And that's what sets off the fear response. So then once this fear reaction occurs, that's when the heartbeat kicks in. That's when the sweating kicks in. That's when we might get spacey. That's when we might feel other parts of the body feel tingling and and so on. So then the logical brain, the cerebral cortex says, my gosh, you know, I don't want to feel this way. So we try to be do positive thinking. No, there's no reason to overreact. Stay calm. Take a deep breath. But it doesn't work because this limbic brain has a direct connection to our fear reaction in the body. And the cerebral cortex doesn't have that direct connection. So it just can't have the same power as this limbic brain. So discomfort training goes at this limbic brain to train it so that when it starts feeling discomfort, that it is not a threat. So in discomfort training, we want to expose people to higher levels of physical and emotional discomfort and then train the brain to not feel that it is in danger. You know, it's interesting because it it might sound counterintuitive, but it's actually exactly what we do in fitness. So, you know, I, I talk about in fitness is extending your comfort zone. If you go to lift weights and when you first start out lifting, five pounds might feel very heavy. And after you do it, all of a sudden, it's not so heavy anymore. Now you can do 10 pounds. And then after that, it's 15. And and you, uh, you're just extending your comfort level by taking on the challenge. So it's slightly different, but a little bit of the same that you're talking about by taking on the challenge of, of, of something that's uncomfortable. But walk me through this next part and then and then learning how to retrain your brain in that moment. Well, you know, that's such a, a great example, Kathy. Because, you know, we have learned, haven't we, and we accept almost implicitly that we need some physical pain to get physical gain. So then when we feel this discomfort from lifting weights or, uh, you know, running uh, faster than usual or running longer, we say, oh, okay, that's good because it's going to help me. But look how we don't make the same sort of 
analysis and assumption when we feel emotional discomfort. Because when we feel emotional discomfort, we think, oh my God, this is bad. It's something to avoid. I'm in danger. And for now on, I'm just not going to put myself in this situation. So it's kind of an interesting distinction. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so what would you say for the viewer at home? Well, for the listener at home, and actually, be, even before we go there, what I, I will actually want to segue into something we talked about before we jumped on the phone, which we had, uh, we were discussing my daughter and I, for the audience out there, I have two lovely daughters. Uh, one of them right now is training to go to the Olympics and she's going to the Olympic trials in about two months. Uh, and her name is Kate, Kate Grace, and she runs the 800 meter. And one of the things that goes along with her physical training, which is getting on that track and doing your interval work and your sprints and everything else, your weight training is this psychological work to overcome anxiety when you get to that that start line. Now, I know that you just wrote an article for um, a publication for the Olympic Committee, but you also have a track record with elite athletes, including some at UCLA. But can you tell me a little bit like what happens and how do you take them through a process when they're when when it's, uh, you know, it's boom or bust, you're on the starting line. And now everything you've trained for it happens in the next two minutes. What, what, how do you help the athlete? Well, here's, here's how it works. Is that I, th I think of it like, I'm, here's a decent metaphor. If we have a fence, and the fence is being subjected to very strong winds, so it's wavering back and forth, where is it going to fold first if the wind continues? Ultimately, in the place at, at its weakest link, that's where it's going to break down. Well, what happens to us is a very similar thing. When we're under physical and emotional pressure, we're going to buckle in the area that's our greatest vulnerability. And we all have an Achilles heel. And so it's going to go to that part. For some people, it may be the issue of rejection or judgment. Or it could be like, oh my gosh, if I don't do well here, then I have nothing to look forward to. All my work that I've put into this is in vain, and and I'm not going to be a winner, and that's what I've based my self-esteem on. These are our Achilles heel. It is this button that gets pushed in these extreme situations. So what we have to do is we can't change that part of us that because we're a social animal. And we, it's important to us to be accepted, to fit in, to, to feel loved or feel part of something. That's always going to be part of us. But what we want is that when those issues come up, rejection or judgment, that it does not create a threat or fear response in the body. So if we're on that starting line or we're going up to give that talk, those old thoughts and worries are going to come up. They're inevitable. Most people try to say, don't think a negative thought. Well, it's not practical. The mind is wired for negative, for negative thoughts. That helped us survive as an early species. So what we want to do is take those 
thoughts, those fear thoughts, those worries, those Achilles heel thoughts and feelings, and change them so they no longer evoke the fear response. So you can have them, but they are neutralized. And this is probably the $64,000 question. How do you do that? Yes, okay. <laughs> it's a great question, and it is the essence of this, is that what I like to do is I have, if we're talking about athletes in this case, is have the athletes come in physically uncomfortable. And, and like, for example, I have them come in starving, uh, or I have them come in where I, I put them under a lot of physical pressure. So they're extremely uncomfortable, just like they would be in their event. And then when they're in this physically uncomfortable place, I push on them this Achilles heel, whatever it is in them. So now I have the physical discomfort, and now I'm creating the emotional discomfort in them. And then I associate it, condition it with a physical state. It's a form, it's a trance-like state that gets in the way of the fear response. So in other words, they can have the physical discomfort, have the emotional issues come up, but pairing it with this other super relaxed, comfortable state keeps the fear response from happening. And the end result is, is that we've trained the brain to feel physical and emotional discomfort without feeling any fear. So I know this is an oversimplification, but could somebody work, uh, go through that same process and then sit in a meditative state? Like let's say you're extremely hungry, using that example, and somebody who's trying to lose weight. If you're extremely hungry and you're, you're wanting your sugar and you're wanting your, um, you know, your cookies and you're wanting this and you get to that uncomfortable state and then is there something just on your own where if you sat and you took deep breaths and you did a three, four, five minute meditation visualization, is that a mini way of doing this, of like training yourself to be in that state and then change, change your, uh, retrain your brain of how you think about it? Well, not, not completely. It's, it's actually incomplete. We have to do one more part. Because, you know, people have been told for years, just, you know, take a couple deep breaths or just meditate. And we know that alone isn't enough to keep people from eating. We have to go one step further. And let's take like an example. Some people feel that when they're really hungry or even the anticipation of being hungry, that something bad is going to happen. Even though you know it's illogical, there's a fear response like, oh my gosh, what if I don't get to eat in time? Something bad's going to happen, or I'm going to die of starvation, uh, or I'm going to have a panic attack. So it goes to a place that's totally fear. So what we have to do is add the other part to it, is that not only do we train them when they're hungry, but we have that Achilles heel that fear related to, oh my gosh, I'm going to be starved to death or something horrible is going to happen to me. Now we bring that issue in with the hunger, then we can pair it 
with a relaxation response. Mm, interesting. Okay, well,